So they've taken surveys and they've asked people, what stresses you out the most? And if you were to think of three or four things that stress you out, they probably are at the top of the list of what everybody says. Some people say, it's my work, it's my job, it's the pressure I feel there. It's money. Money is a real issue, it's a real problem, it's a real struggle. It's my health. Uh, I feel as though I've got some issues going on that I'm not really sure of or I'm going through a really difficult time right now in my health. Or, you know, one that comes up all the time in relationships, whether it's parent-child relationships or uh, marriage relationships or just friendships. Those are all the things that, that make us anxious. And uh, the, it's, it's interesting because I was doing a little research and I found out that, and I, I found this is interesting, the number of people who commit suicide in the U.S. has, it seems like it has drastically gone up. And it's not the highest it's ever been, but it's really high. And it's, it's now uh, increased to the point that it is make, it made, it's made suicide the leading cause of injury death. In other words, more people die from suicide than they do from car accidents, which really was surprising to me. And I was thinking about why do people take their lives? Why is it that people feel so, uh, they go to such a dark place that they feel like, I just don't want to live anymore. And I think there's two things that, that, that two primary factors in my mind, these are, these are what I think. I could be wrong, but I, I believe that it's close. I think two things, a lack of perspective and a lack of hope. I think when people lose hope and lose perspective, they're in a very vulnerable position. In fact, one psychologist says this, he says, suicide is about despair and the only cure for despair is hope. So what I wanna do is I wanna talk about where do we get hope? Where do we get help when we're going through times and struggles and life just seems like it's burying us and we lay awake at night and we worry about things. We continually worry about things. We can't stop worrying about things. We get anxious about them. How do we, how do we turn it off? How do we change the subject? How do we figure it out? What do we do? And I think the, 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 the scripture we're gonna look at this weekend was gonna give us some help and give us some insight. So if you would, would you turn to Philippians chapter four? Philippians chapter four, and I wanna just read starting at verse six. Uh, and um, we're going to look at what Paul has to say because I think he gives us some really great insight tonight. Look at what he says, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. He says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. 
I rejoice greatly in the Lord that the last time you renewed your concern for me, indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. We love that last verse. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. But we don't take the context in of what Paul's saying there. So in your notes, there's, there's really just four points I want to talk about. The first one is this, that Paul basically says, refuse to live in worry. Refuse to live in worry. Paul tells us to do not be anxious about anything. And many of you think you're saying, well, that's easier said than done, right? Most of us are saying, yeah, that's, that's easy to say. It's hard to do. But Paul, notice Paul doesn't give us any wiggle room. He says, you know what? I know we worry, but, you know, and sometimes it's okay, but sometimes you really need to, you know, kind of put the brakes on and stop. He doesn't give us that room. He doesn't allow us to treat anxiety and worry as an acceptable behavior. We, we can't just nurse it, and we have to deal with it. And, and that's the harsh truth. The, the truth is that we've made anxiety, we've made worry an acceptable thing to do. Here's the thing. First, we need to see that anxiety is not a difficulty or a problem that we struggle with. It's a sin that we allow. We have to come to a place where we understand that worry and anxiety is something not just, it's not just a problem, it's not just an issue, it's not just a struggle, it's a sin that we allow in our lives. Anxiety is always a refusal to accept how much God loves you and cares for you. Notice what Paul says in Romans. It's very important that you catch this thought. Notice what he says in Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? What is he saying there? God is, the Father is saying, I gave you the the." everything that I possibly could. I gave you my very son. Is it, do you think I'd hold anything back from you? Do you think that I'd not do, take care of you if I was willing to give my son and, and, and Jesus was willing to give his life? Don't you think I've given you everything possible that I could give you? Now think about that. How would it feel for you if you put everything out there for somebody? You made sacrifices. You, you took the hit. You you did all these things. You were injured for them. You protected them. You went out of your way. You spent your time and your money and all that. And they still didn't trust you. They still questioned whether you had their best interest. That's what we're doing with God. Worry and anxiety is a stab at the integrity of God's love and concern. It's not innocent. He's offered his son to be destroyed for you, and now you still doubt him, question his love and concern. Some of you are saying, man, this is starting out pretty hard. Because what we want to do is we want to nurse anxiety, we want to nurse worry, we want to coddle it. We want to say, well, you know, I've got this going on. 
Let's stop treating worry as an acceptable behavior. It's not. When we allow worry to dominate us, we're slandering the character of God. We're saying God doesn't care. God isn't concerned. God doesn't care about me. That's essentially what we're saying. We have to take that mindset. Now, Paul doesn't leave us to, uh, stranded in worry. The good news is he gives us a plan, and that's what we want to talk about. He shows us the path out. He gives us a plan. He says this. Notice he says, In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Let's just break that down a little bit, because he says a lot there. He says, you stop worrying when you begin to unload the things that worry you. We, when you come to a place, when we under, here's what we have to do. We have to come to a place where we realize we're carrying burdens that weren't meant for us, that we weren't meant to carry. We're carrying around a, a backpack of worry and anxiety, of problems and issues that we were never meant to carry. And we are just allowing them to be packed in there, and we're getting burdened down, and we wonder, what are we going to do? Now, what does Peter say? Peter says in 1 Peter 5, 7, he says, cast all your anxiety on him, for he cares for you. You know what he's saying there? He's saying, hey, you know that backpack of worry and anxiety? You know those relationships, your job, your kids, the, your money, your health, all those things that you're worried about, you're anxious about? You just allowed those to go on your back. Take them off, throw them off, cast them on him, give them over to him. Lay him down at the cross. What does it mean to cast your anxiety? It means giving it over to him, releasing it, unloading it. Uh, casting means that we talk to God about how we're feeling. We share our concerns. We pray them out to him. Now you say, oh, pastor, of course we know that. But let me ask you a question. Let's just get real for a moment. When you're struggling, when you're worried, when you're laying awake at, at night and you're worried about your job, you're worried about your kids, you're worried about your finances, you're worried about your health, let me ask you a question. When was the last time that you began to pray those worries out to God? Where you honestly said, God, I'm worried about this. I'm concerned about this. I don't know how this is going to play out. I don't know how, how, what I can do here. I feel trapped. I feel overwhelmed. When you actually prayed those out loud to God, when was the last time you did that? My guess is we don't. It's interesting what Paul says. <laughs> Paul essentially says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. You see what he says here? He says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. What do we do? Exactly the opposite. We worry about everything. We pray about nothing. And we wonder why we're struggling with anxiety and worry. It, it really comes down to it. You say, well, that seems simplistic. It is simplistic. But it's a step. It's a step in the right direction. Because prayer acknowledges God in the equation of our lives. And when we don't allow God to be part of our lives, we get overburdened. We start carrying burdens that we're, we weren't meant to carry. Here's the first step in putting the axe to anxiety. Talk to God about it. What is worrying you? If you were to say, this is worrying me, what is it? Write it down. Talk to God about it. Pray about it. Unload it. Cast your worry, your concern to God. That's the first step. Second Begin by thanking God in all things. Notice what he says. He doesn't say, 
thank God for all things. He says, thank God in all things. Big difference. Those two prepositions make a big, big difference in the theology here. Because one is, um, you thank God for your cancer. You thank God for your, 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 your child that was killed in a car accident. You thank God for... No, 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 that's not what Paul's saying. So Paul's saying that in the midst of those horrendous, difficult, terrible situations, thank God that he's with you. Thank God that he has a plan for you. Thank God that he's, he's, he's aware of what you're going through. You don't thank him for those things. You thank him in those things. And there's a big difference. Giving thanks uh, begins to change our mindset. It's like, you know, it's one thing. Hey, have you noticed this? You can't laugh and be angry at the same time. Have you noticed that? Have you ever been like really angry and then somebody makes you laugh and then all of a sudden you go, I don't know what to do. I remember one day my dad and I have five brothers. We sat around a round table and there were times where my dad was a little, let's just say a little angry at at the, the meal and you didn't want to say anything. You didn't want to make him angry. You didn't want to and he, it was one of those days where it's just like you just felt like he was going to lose it. And uh, everybody's like quiet at the table. Nobody wanted to, you know, can you, you know, he just wanted, didn't want to stand out because it was not a good thing. And uh, I remember the ketchup. He opened the bottle and, uh, well, he didn't actually open the bottle. He went to shake the bottle. The cap wasn't all the way on. Ketchup went all over the place. And everybody kind of was like, was like, finally one of them, I don't know which brother it was, we all started laughing. And my dad just said, oh, what's the use? And he started laughing. And immediately the, it, it changed, the moment changed. Because you can't laugh and be angry at the same time. And that's kind of what we're talking about here. When you begin to give, giving God thanks for who he is and what he's done, we find that our attitudes change also. This is hard, but it's a necessary step. One of the best ways to give, th- give thanks in dark times is do, you know, Jesus shows us how to do this. Jesus basically was going through some very dark times when he was here on this earth. Do you want to know how he c- carried a good attitude and how he made it? Paul tell, or the, the writer of, of Hebrews tells us, let me read you this, this write it down, the reference. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Here's what it says. He said, the writer says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Now, this is the verse I want you to hear. Notice what he says. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What does this say? This says that Jesus looked ahead beyond the cross, the anxiety, the worry, the frustration, the fear of the cross. He looked beyond the cross, and he saw what was going to happen on the other side, and that lifted him in a moment when he needed to be lifted. My point is this, that we focus on the joy set before us 
And that'll take us past our current situation. And some of you have not done that and are not doing it. So the second step in putting an ax to anxiety is to thank God for someone or something, to begin to thank God, to begin looking past, to begin to number some of the things, the good things that have happened in the past and are going to happen in the future. And that's how we change our minds. That's how we begin to change our minds. Number three, we start thinking about good things. Notice what Paul says here. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if there is anything excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. Here's what I found. I can't always change my circumstances, but I can change my mind. Have you found that too? I found that sometimes when I'm weighed down with anxiety or fear or worry, that, that I can go down dark, deep rabbit holes and it's not good. And there's a point where I have to pull up. There's a point where I have to change my mind. There's a point where I have to start thinking about changing. Think about this. <clears throat> your, your emotions can change in a moment. Let me give you an illustration. Let's just say that your biggest concern right now is your worry. Uh, your biggest concern of worry is your finances. You, you are absolutely, you know, you're, 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 uh, your finances are a mess. You don't know what you're going to do, and you're worried about them, you're anxious about them, you're getting letters from uh, collection agencies. Every time you go to get the mail, you're, you just go, okay, here's some more bills, here's some more things to be anxious about. And you just, you don't even want to, you know, you look at the mailman and you go, oh, I don't want the mailman to come by, you know. And you're getting calls, and all that's happening. So one day, it's, it's mail time. You, see the, you hear the mailbox, and all of a sudden you go, well, I guess I have to go out and find out who else wants money that I don't have, and I don't know where I'm going to get it. And all of a sudden, you open up a, a letter, and it's a legal letter, and it's from a lawyer, and you go, oh, great, now I'm going to get sued. But you read a little further in it, and all of a sudden you realize that you had a family member who left you $2 million. And you go, whoa, I didn't even know I had an Uncle Joe. Thanks, Uncle Joe. Now, all of a sudden, at that moment, when you read that letter for the third or fourth or fifth time to make sure it's real, and you realize it is real, because there's a check there, all of a sudden your whole... Your whole attitude changes, right? In a moment. Now, some of you are, some of you are, <laughs> you're saying, yeah, but here's the thing, Matt, your circumstances changed. What if your circumstances don't change? Well, they have. You see, that, that's the problem. See, our vision hasn't allowed us to see that our circumstances, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, your circumstances have radically changed. You know, here's, here's what happens. If, you, if you're a believer, the Bible says the best is yet to come. That life, uh, this side of heaven is going to be, like that side of heaven is going to be very different than this, like this side of heaven. That there is a hope that, it, that is beyond the grave. That there is a new heaven and a new earth. That there is a hope for eternity that outweighs any pain or problem here and now. That your circumstances have already changed for the best. But, 
basically Paul says to die is to gain. The, the problem is we don't often have that perspective. We don't have that, that letter from the lawyer. We, we, don't, we don't read what the word of God says where the word of God says, hey, just so you know, it's all going to work out. We win the game even though we're down uh, 30 to nothing in the third quarter. We win. The book of Revelation says we win. New heaven, new earth, new bodies. <laughs> it's going to be incredible. It's beyond, and, and we haven't focused on that enough because we're so concerned about what's happening here and now around us. And that's what Paul says. You have to change your mind. You have to change your perspective. You have to look beyond here and now. And so the scenario plays out because we just haven't grasped that eternal hope. There's nothing on this earth that can take away your hope of heaven unless you are allowing it to happen. And frankly, if your hope is in this world and in this life, how are you any different than the rest of the folks that are walking on this planet right now? And no wonder why you're worried and anxious and upset. Because you don't have that heavenly hope. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4, he says, don't grieve as those who have no hope. Grieve with hope. There's hope. And the only way to change your mind is to change your perspective. And the best way to change your perspective is to direct your mind along a different path. Paul basically says in Romans 12 too, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Are you... In allowing the Spirit of God and the Word of God to renew your mind. Part of the reason that you worry and you are anxious is because you're not allowing the Spirit of God to take the Word of God to renew your mind. How you think. You say, well, how do I do that? I'm new to this whole thing. I don't know the Bible very well. I don't really understand it. It's, it's complex. It's a daily practice where you focus on the Word of God. And let me ask you, do you have a plan for this year? Do you, are you working on a plan that you're allowing the Word of God and the Spirit of God to renew your mind, to change your mind, to change your thought patterns, to change your values, to give you that eternal hope, to, to lift you above the weight of this world? Do you have a plan? If you're not, and really it, it begins with, with daily spending some time in the Word of God, whether that's in the morning or the middle of the day or the end of the day. And you say, but I still don't understand the Bible. Here's what I'll tell you. I'll, I'll give you this. If you do this, and I'm not going to even put a link up there. I'm going to make you do this if you want help. If you email me, collins at ehope.org, I will point you to a site that will give you all the resources you need. To, this could be a year where you make a breakthrough in your faith and your, your uh, understanding of the Word of God and understanding of who God is, and your faith could grow immensely this year. If, and I'll take you to a site that's really one of the best sites that I've ever seen in the world uh, if you want to grow in your faith and if you want to grow and you want to read along and grow to know uh, the Word of God this year. But you have to email me because I'm not going to send a link out. Here's the third step in putting the axe to anxiety. Take 60 seconds and just think about good things. Think about the good things that God is doing in your life that you're thankful for. We do that at Thanksgiving, but we ought to do that every day. Here's the fourth point. Ask God to give you his contentment and strength. Now, contentment is a huge problem in our culture. 
and in our country. We live in a culture that always wants more, 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 and we never can get enough. And this is the cause of many of our problems because we compare ourselves to others and we say, I feel gypped. I feel ripped off. I feel like down and discouraged because everybody seems like they're doing better than me. Paul, uh, I want to read you this quote. This is from Tim Keller, and he says this. He says, if you love anything at all in this world more than God, you will crush that object under the weight of your expectations and will eventually break your heart. Ultimately, we are, all, we are what we adore. We are what captivates our imagination, what leads us to praise and to compel others to praise it. And essentially what Keller's saying is we have idols in our lives and we make certain things idols. We put a lot of our, the weight of our lives on it. Guys do it with their jobs. So when they lose their job or their work doesn't go well, their life begins to crumble. And sometimes people do it with their relationship, with their marriages. So when their marriages fall apart or raising their kids doesn't go well, their lives fall apart. And, and they, they just they, they get very anxious. They get very worried about it. What they've done, though, is they've, they've tried to find their hope. They've tried to find their purpose, their meaning, their joy, and everything in these things. And when you put the weight of your life on them, they will crumble, and they will crack, and they will condemn you. Paul gives us instruction, and here's what he says. It was in our passage. He says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Notice Paul says, I learned to be content. One of our biggest issues in life, especially in America, is that we're not content with anything. We always want more. We feel like we're getting robbed. We feel like we should be doing better than, than that person. We compare ourselves. Paul said, I learned to be content. Contentment is a learned behavior. We have an unhealthy view of what, really, what we really need to be content. Do you realize that if you live in America, you're in the top 95% of the richest people in the world we have uh, health, we have food, we have clothing, we have shelter. We are richer than the vast majority on, of the people that are walking on this planet right now. And we're not content. How can that be? And we're worried about things that most of those folks are not worried about. The, many, most of the world wakes up and they're saying, where am I going to find clean water? Where am I going to get food for today? <laughs> Those are the problems they're concerned about. Paul says, I've learned to be content no matter what my circumstances. Facebook and the internet doesn't help us at all either. The fourth step in putting the axe to anxiety is to ask God to give you his strength to be content with what he's already given us. And I just want to throw this out there for just a minute. There's an idea out there within Christianity that if I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, I should never go through difficult times. I should never suffer, and I should never get sick. And, and if I have enough faith and I pray to God, then, then he'll never allow me to go through trials and tribulations. I don't know where that teaching comes from, but I sure know it doesn't come from here. Because Jesus came and suffered. 
Every one of his followers suffered. Every one of the early church, if you follow the church history, they suffered. They went through difficult times for their faith. We live in a world that has fallen. We live in a world where there's pain, there's suffering, there's disease, there's distress, there's wars, there's evil. There's all that going on in the world. And God isn't going, he said, in the world, Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation so that's part of what we should expect and i think we go around thinking because we're god we love god and we've given our lives to god and jesus has given his life to us and we're his followers that he's going to protect us from that stuff like he owes us that you heard the story about the church that was praying for the resurrection of the little girl maybe I understand what they're praying for, but as I see scripture, God doesn't always heal. God doesn't always intervene. Sometimes he does. And I believe God can and does miraculously heal people. But let's be, let's be honest, we're living in a fallen world. And we sometimes have this expectation that we, sh- we think it's odd that we're going through a difficulty, a problem. Essentially, Scripture says, don't think it's odd that you're going through this. This is part of this world. Understand, this is w- the way the world is. What Je- What is Jesus promised? Does he promise that he's going to resurrect the dead now? I don't see that in Scripture. I see a verse taken out of context, but I don't see that in Scripture. Does he say that I'm always going to heal when you pray earnestly? No. What does he promise you? He says, when you go through that dark valley, I will be with you. Not only will I be with you, but I know what you're going through. I know what it is to be betrayed. I know what it is to lose people around you that you love. I know what it is to suffer. I know what it is to be ridiculed and mocked and spit upon. I know what it is to be rejected. I know what it is to be misunderstood. I know what it is to have a bad day, a bad week. (laughs) I know what it's like. And here's the good news. Because I climbed up on a cross for you and because I gave my life for you and because I rose on the third day, this is all going to pass. And one day, one day, We'll be free from that, but not now, not yet. The promise we have in Scripture is, Jesus says, I will be with you. But what are the steps that we've looked at? Let me just summarize them very quickly for you. Four points, and they're in your notes. First, unload what's bothering you by telling God, Talk to him. Verbalize it. Go on a walk. Get angry. (laughs) Be frustrated with God. (laughs) Whatever you want. Work it out. Share your emotions with God. Don't worry about that. Read some of the Psalms, because that's what some of the psalmists are doing. They're upset with God, and they're talking to him about it. That's healthy. Number two, thank God for someone or something. Take time and thank God for someone or something. Number three, take 60 seconds 
and think about good things. Change your mind because you go down that rabbit hole and I've talked with people. I've caught people when I'm working with them and they're in the middle of going down this hole and I'm thinking, okay, come on, let's change. You know, you try to say, but what about this? And it's like, well, you know, it's like, I, I feel like I'm trying to be Tigger and, and they're, they're Eeyore. And I'm going, what am I going to do here? The sun is out. You know, look at the beautiful sunny day God has provided. Yeah, but I might get a sunburn. And, you know, just get, you know, it's over and over and over. And you go, I don't know what I can do, but you've got to get out of this, this death spiral. You've got to start talking and thinking about the positive things that God has promised. And that's where you renew your mind and you take the word of God and you allow the word of God to show you the promises of God and what he has done for you and what he's going to do. And you honor God and you honor Jesus and say, Jesus, you went through it for me so that I could go through this life. But I know you're here with me in this dark place. I know you're here with me and you care for me. You haven't forgotten me. I know that this isn't just an anomaly in my life, but it's something that Every one of us goes through. In this world, there will be tribulation. I realize I'm just part of it. And number four, ask God to give you the strength he promised to be content. Sometimes that's where we begin. We, we just have to say, God, what you've given me is enough. I don't need more. I don't need more. Paul instructs us not to worry. He instructs us to worry about nothing, to pray about everything, to thank God in all things, to focus our mind on good things, and to be content in all things. That, that's the direction he gives us in the scripture. And, 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 and the, that's where we begin to battle this. When you lay awake at night, you allow your mind to go off you got to catch yourself. you got to call time out and say, no, 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 that's not a good path. But you got to be prepared with a plan. Where are you going to go? And, and hopefully this will start you. Tell God what's bothering you. Thank him for someone or something. List a bunch of good things that are going on around you and ask God to give you the strength to be content. Paul says, I've learned to be content. It's learned, and it's not going to be learned overnight. It's going to take time, but you can learn it. Let me tell you where we're going next weekend. Next weekend, we're going to talk about um, the unknown. <laughs> you know, I don't know if there's been a, a year recently where I'm looking at this year and I'm going, I have no idea what's going to happen this year. Where, where we are now, it just seems like a whole bunch of stuff could happen. And you know what? You start thinking about it, and you get all upset about it and anxious about it. And we're going to talk about that next weekend. But hopefully this will be a start to say, okay, so what do I do when I feel like I've got all these things going on in my mind, and I've got it? Paul basically says, change your mind. He says, whatever is good, whatever is pure, think on these things. Change your mind. And this is how you begin to do it. So hopefully you'll take those steps. Hopefully you'll, you'll come up with a plan of renewing your mind. You'll feed your mind. You see, you've got, you got to come to a place where you're feeding your mind too. So hopefully you'll do that. And this year will be different than next year. Last year. Let's pray. Father, without your help, this is an impossible task. Because this world really is... Huh, 
it can get us, it can get us really good. And I think it's gotten some of us this year, and we need help. And we can't do this on our own. We need your help. So, Father, I pray that you would help us to take whatever steps we need to take, maybe from the message, from the word, whatever, that you'd help us to change our minds, maybe in the way we think, maybe in the way we view our circumstances, maybe just by being honest with you about what's troubling us, that we would talk to you in prayer, that we'd be honest about how we're feeling, that we would process those emotions and feelings to you, that we would allow your word and your Holy Spirit to bring encouragement, that we would become better equipped with the promises that you give us in your word, that we would understand that we live in a world that has fallen and this is a common occurrence. It doesn't just happen to some of us, but it happens to all of us at different times. Thank you, Father, that uh, the promise is that in those dark times you will be there. And in those nights where we lay awake, help us to know that you are with us, that you've already invested everything for us. Thank you, Jesus, that you willingly went to the cross for us and you gave your life so that we could live. You, res you came and rose from the grave on the third day so that you could be the fir first fruits of those who put their faith in you. And as we put our faith and trust in you, we realize that our hope lies ahead. May we hold on to that hope. May we, especially in those dark times, Look ahead to the hope laid before us. And may we look for you in those dark times. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.